0: Go with me to what you might guess to be this morning's scripture. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Luke is the right one to be sharing or recording or reporting this. Luke was the true historian. Now, all the others were true and accurate in their presentation of Jesus in the Gospels, but but Luke is more the investigative reporter, the, the historian. He also wrote Acts, which is a book... Very historic, and and it took much, uh, you know, attention to detail to share it properly. And so it's appropriate that this story would come from the pen of Luke. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So, all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Let me tell you my favorite Christmas story. It's a story of a guy who thought that Christmas was a lot of humbug. Now, no, he wasn't a scrooge, though. Actually, he was a, a good man. He was kind to his family, upright in his dealings with others. But he just could not believe this God-becoming man bit that we especially proclaim at Christmas time. And being an honest man, he couldn't say that he did. However, his family were faithful church growers. And on Christmas Eve, they wanted to attend a service. Well, he declined to accompany them, saying, I'd feel like a hypocrite if I went. But he says, I will wait up for you. So they left, and he settled down by the fireplace to read his newspaper when a very heavy snowstorm began. And he thought, well, if we have to have Christmas, I guess it's okay to have a white one, you know. But after about 30 minutes of this heavy snow, he heard this thump, dump against the picture window and front door of his house. And he thought, who could be throwing snowballs at my house this time of night? So he goes to the front and discovers that a flock of birds had become lost in the snow and were beating themselves to death against the picture window trying to get into what appeared to be warmth and safety. he thought, well, you can't really come in here, but I can't let you die out here. There has to be something I, I know, he thought. So he went out to the barn where the children's pony was stabled, opened the door, turned on the light, and he said... Perfect," He said, this is warmth, shelter, even food. And, and he said, the light will draw them. So he, feeling good about himself, went back to where the birds were to watch them go in. But to his dismay, they ignored the barn. He continued to flop around in the snow. He thought, man, <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> but I can't let you die out here. I've got to do... Oh, I know, he thought. So he went to the kitchen and got some bread and made a trail of breadcrumbs all the way from the birds out to the barn. He said, there, the food will go on them. It's perfect. So he went to watch them go in. And to his dismay, they virtually ignored the food, pecked it just a little in the circle of light and ignored the rest. And he thought, I can't believe this. It's not working. (laughs) But I can't let you die. Oh, I know. Maybe I can shoo you in. So,
1: hey, you know, and
0: he tried to shoo them in, and they went everywhere except into the barn. And he thought, you don't understand. He says, I'm your friend. I'm the only friend you've got. I'm trying to save your life, but you're terrified of me since you don't
1: understand. He said,
0: if I could just be one of you for a minute and lead you into the barn, then it would be okay. When he said that, the bells of the church began to ring. And he stood there for a moment and thought about what he had said. Then he said, now I see why you had to do it and he knelt in the snow and made his own peace with God. Well, imagine for a moment that you
1: are God. <laughs>
0: Just like, give me one day. <laughs> Straighten this place out. <laughs> But imagine that you're God, and there's this ball of mud out in the middle of space called Earth. And a bunch of little critters called people running around. on, And you love them. And you want
1: to tell them, but they don't even speak your language.
0: Then you decide, I know what I'll do. I'll send my son. I'll make him just like them and just like me at the same time. You tell them. Well, now you have a problem, though. You have to introduce him. Now, if God would have just consulted with me, since I've had some experience in public relations, I could have helped him. I would have said, what you have here, God, is a thing known as a premiere." Now, I live near Hollywood. I understand premieres. Turn it over to me and I'll have every searchlight in the world there. I'll have everybody who is somebody there. I'll have all the TV cameras there and I, my very own self, will introduce him. And so God says, well, thanks for the advice, Erwin, But I've decided to have him born, just like everybody else.
1: Okay.
0: I guess it's not a bad idea when you stop and think about it. But, you know, here God, what you need to do, take my advice, is snap your fingers and create this huge hospital, gleaming bright on the outside, with a giant diamond on the top that would catch the rays of the sun and cast them over the countryside. And only have one person ever born there your son. Then I can organize tours to go see it. (laughs) And then God says to me, well, thanks, Erwin. But I've decided that I'm going to have my son born in a barn. (laughs) Uh, God, um, I was born on a farm, okay? I understand barns. They're not places for babies to be born, unless they go, Moo!
1: After <laughs>
0: Folks, we have sanitized the manger. We have. We tend to think that, oh, the angels were out there nervously waiting. Oh, he's got to come out here. Oh, quick. Sweep, sweep. shovel, shovel.
1: This was an animal
0: shelter. Mary and Joseph had to watch their step. Fair, careful. Right there, Mary. Right there. It was. It wasn't a birth of which Jesus could boast. I was born in a barn. Where were you born? Huh? In fact, my mother used to say to me sometimes, Gail Irwin, were you born in a barn? And it was not a compliment. So you see, this this did not help Jesus much reputation-wise. But if that wasn't enough, his parents were questionable. We believe in the virgin birth today. I do. Because they didn't necessarily believe in the virgin birth back then any more than if the sweetest young lady of your youth group suddenly shows up <laughs> pregnant. Everyone's going, oh no, where did we go wrong? And finally someone gets the courage to ask her, who did it? <laughs> and she smiles sweetly and says, the Holy Spirit. sure." Jer- Our day and age does not comprehend the stigma under which Jesus grew. The, the the whispering campaigns have you heard about his mother? So But if that wasn't enough, you know he really had a very common name. You by now know that his name was not actually Jesus. If you don't know that, you do now. His name was actually Joshua, or more accurately, Joshua. And we squeeze it through the Greek. And it doesn't really squeeze all that well. But it comes out Jesus. Well, the thing is, Joshua was a very
1: common name. It's
0: a good name, it means God is salvation. But then Joshua's running around all over the place. If God would have just consulted with me. I would have recommended that he give his son a name that stands out from all other names, so that when you hear it, immediately you know, that must be God. I had a student once that every time I heard his name, I thought of tuxedos and dignity. Arthur Chesterfield. But now God, why didn't you name your kid something like that? Or you're joshing us, are But remember that he was Emmanuel, God, with. oh if that wasn't enough and this is something we don't really realize because of the way we celebrate Christmas he really had a weak announcement now you may be thinking come on Erwin they didn't have angels singing when I was born how can you call that a weak announcement well think with me for a second First of all, if God would have just consulted me, <laughs> I would have recommended that he get up on the moon with about a $5,000 microphone, hang two billion watt speakers out in space, and walk up to that microphone and say, hello, world, this is God, and we say, yeah, yeah, what, 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 what? Well, let's say I'm negotiating, and he says, well, thanks for the advice, but <laughs> I've decided to use a
1: choir. Okay. Okay,
0: choirs are all right. But don't you think we should uh, follow proper protocol and have the choir, you know, maybe even follow Bill Gothard's chain of command and have the choir sing for the Sanhedrin, the government first? No? Well, well, look, at least let's have them sing in the mall. That way we get our best coverage for singing angel. No? Want them to sing where? Now think about this. Imagine that you're one of these angels, and for 200 years you've been practicing. Me, 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 me. For 100 years they've been building a stage in the sky for the gig of the centuries, man. And the moment arrives, and you're excited, and they say, Okay, fellas, he's been born, hit it, and they pull the curtains, and you get ready to sing and you see the crowd. Six shepherds! All right, who was in charge of posters? <laughs> Folks, we have sanitized shepherds. Because of Jesus, who was the good shepherd, we tend to think, and because of David, we tend to think that all Jewish boys just grew up dreaming of being a shepherd. In Jesus' day, shepherds were bad news. A really religious man would never be a shepherd. It was was just like a forbidden occupation. Shepherds, they were like your friendly local burglars. When they went through town, things tended to disappear. Nobody would trust the shepherd. Wrong bunch to bring the message to. They go into town, they find the... Babe, exactly as the angel said, and they go around noisy and about, Joshua's been born, Joshua's been born. Someone wakes up, all right, all right, we've got six Joshuas in this block, we don't need another one. Someone else wakes up and says, oh, who said that? Just a shepherd. A shepherd? A burglar? So one says, The Messiah has been born. Who told you? Shepherd. Oh, yeah. So you see the announcement. Bob Shuler does a better job at Crystal Cathedral than God did. Charges more. So you see, Jesus' reputation. Isn't being helped a whole lot so far by his barrack. But if that wasn't enough, and I and I hate to tell you this, folks, but you got to know it sometime or other. He was not handsome. Now I know you may be thinking, "That's it, Erwin. You were doing okay till now." But I have his picture on my wall. He's the most beautiful red-headed Irishman I've ever seen.
1: <laughs>
0: Isaiah tells us the truth. We just never paid any attention. He said he had no form nor comeliness. Now, we don't use that word comely a lot anymore, but it means beauty or handsomeness. Had no handsomeness that we would desire him. He was not the sort that when you saw him, you'd think, Ah, oh, where have you been all my life? <laughs> In fact, the Gospels, you know, are his biography. And you're aware that they do not describe him physically. A good biography would do that. normally. boy. Why didn't they describe him? Sometimes I wonder if the writers thought about it and then said, Nah. <laughs> give him a break
1: <laughs> but I
0: appreciate that because I know how I feel around ridiculously handsome guys jealous and so that doesn't even get thrown into the equation you see Judas didn't, couldn't identify Jesus have you ever thought about the fact that he couldn't say well now he's Eight feet tall, you know, and he's good looking and he glows in the dark.
1: <laughs>
0: but he said, well, he's uh, and he's uh, I'm just going to have to go and just shake his hand, you know why not shake his hand? That's one, but if that wasn't enough, he grew up in a bad neighborhood. Did you ever go to London? I guess I'm heading there a week from Monday. I'm taking a tour to Israel, and we spend a day in London. I'll take them to the Tower of London on the way, where there are the crown jewels of England. I know of no other place in the world where anything like this is on display. I mean, this stuff is jewelry. You don't need an eyepiece to see any of these. In fact, once you see that stuff, you will hold all jewelry stores in contempt. You'll walk by a jewelry store and just go, as you walk.
1: <laughs>
0: they have jewels as big as your fist. And I looked at that and I thought, what would I do if I owned one of these? I don't even have a place to keep it. Would I walk around here with it in my pocket? And say to my friends, what at I have? They would say, zing,
1: look what you had. <laughs>
0: now, I'm telling you this because now I want you to do a little mental game with me. Imagine that you are either Mary or Joseph. And born to you is the greatest jewel ever to grace this earth. And you're holding him in your
1: hands.
0: What are you going to
1: do with <laughs> don't drop me <laughs> where are you going to go live wouldn't they do it they took him to Nazareth, Nazareth. I'm
0: going to take our tour well actually through Nazareth not too Nazareth we ain't going to stop no reason to stop. They say it's always been a dirty, no-good town. Even Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But I like that. it lets me know you don't have to grow up in Beverly Hills to be something. But Jesus couldn't boast. <laughs> I'm from Nazareth. Where are you from? I hear him saying, look, keep that a secret, you know. But if that wasn't enough, Jesus owned nothing. That's not very impressive. In this day and age, back when I lived in the L.A. basin, quite frequently I would entertain foreign visitors. And for many of them, it was their first time ever to the United States. I'd meet them at LAX. and and give them a little bit of a tour, coming back home, see, where do you think I would take them first? Beverly Hills. Just want you to see what our slums look like. No, isn't it interesting? We always want to show off our best, don't we? Our most impressive. Uh, Jesus didn't have anything to show off says, birds have nests, foxes have holes. I don't even have a place to lay my head. But you know, here we are in this national, international acquisition period where we get things. In fact, I heard yesterday that 500 billion, half a trillion dollars is being spent. amazing, isn't it? It's a good week's salary, isn't it?
1: The
0: thing about things, and you know this, is when you get something, you have two problems. Number one, you've got to maintain it. it. takes time and energy. They don't all come with lifetime batteries. You have to protect it. It takes time and energy. You can own just enough things that all your time and energy goes into maintaining and protecting your things. And Jesus, who came to redeem people, was not going to be fooled by things. Yeah, but there's another thing about this. You see, if you're rich, don't tell me. Because if I think you're rich, I get real friendly. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how this changes the way we approach people, you know? So Jesus comes in a way that if you're going to follow him, it will be for the right reasons and not for greedy ones. But if all that wasn't enough, he had what I can only describe as a rather strange advanced man. if If I were forming the Gale Irwin Evangelistic Crusades Incorporated, I would want to send someone ahead of me who had some dignity, you know. Someone with some couth. Someone like Lee Ko, you know, who could just really... But John the Baptist? The original hippie? Out in the desert eating organic foods, wearing funny clothes, yelling at people, Repent! And when they do, he dunks them in what
1: <laughs>
0: But if that wasn't enough, see, so far nothing really is helping Jesus' reputation much, is it? But if that wasn't enough, the crew he had, <laughs> about the best I can do is call it a motley crew, yeah? So here is Jesus. He's, he's choosing a cabinet of twelve. If he would have just consulted with me, <laughs> since I've had some experience in public relations, I would have recommended that first he go to the theological seminary and get three or four professors who understand the theological ramifications of the problems that arise. Then I would recommend that he go to Hollywood and get someone with charisma who can command the attention of the crowd and explain to them, like a good press secretary, what it was you meant when you said such and such. <laughs> then I would go to Wall Street and get three or four millionaires that are nice to have on the team. <laughs> then I would go to Muscle Beach and get about six bodyguards because they can crucify you around here if you're not
1: careful. Is that the way I'd it
0: Jesus didn't do that. He went to the streets and got the strangest launch you've ever seen in your life. If you had been walking 50 feet behind Him, you would have said, I smell fish. He had a zealot and a tax collector on the same team, which is kind of like having... Saddam Hussein and Bill Clinton on the same team. And some of them fellas had the awfulest accents you've ever heard in your whole life. And with that crew, he proposes to turn the world
1: upside down.
0: But I like that. Because if he can work with them, he can work with me. And you <laughs> You see, nothing's helping his reputation yet. What's going on? But if that wasn't enough, he really died a very bad death. Now we believe that, but we don't really believe that. I was reading in 1 Corinthians chapter one, Paul's statement. The preaching of the cross is, to them that bearish, foolishness. And I thought, no, 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 it isn't. The cross, man, I see it everywhere. It's on necklaces. It's on lapels. It's on bracelets. It's on rings. It's on earrings. It's behind altars, beautifully polished wood or burnished silver. It's on the top of steeples everywhere, sometimes even neon-lighted and revolving. And the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, "Erwin, you don't understand the cross because people don't die on crosses nowadays. Mm. Yeah. And I realized that if Jesus were to come to the United States today, and it was his first time to come, we'd treat him a lot better. <laughs> we'd electrocute him. Or gassing or hanging. Now that would change some things. It would change some things. It would change our evangelism. Can you see me saying, Friend, have I got good news for you? My best friend just died in the electric chair for you. And if you'll believe that and take up your electric chair and follow him, you'll be
1: saved. he <laughs> would
0: be saying, Get him away, get him away. <laughs> our songs would change. At the electric chair, at the electric chair, where I first saw the light. There's room in the gas chamber for you. Now, you guys laughed at this, see, and you proved the Bible that way. We're kind of Greek mental descent, and Paul says... To the Greeks, a laughing matter, foolishness. To the Jews, a stumbling block. But it was, it is, he says, the power of God unto salvation.
1: Hmm. Why?
0: I mean, this list that I've been going through, why would Jesus do this? This is like, not the way you put a hero together. But you see, Paul in Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he made himself of no reputation. Why? I'll tell you why. Because when Jesus said, in John 3.16, God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever. Now, there's your key word, see, because whosoever means everybody. And the only way everybody could have felt comfortable to come to him would be if he came in a way that even the poorest of individuals would say, hey, you're my type. Even the youngest of individuals, whether you're poor or you're rich, whether you are young, whether you are old, children were comfortable with Jesus. The only way it could have been is if Jesus had come in the way that he did. It's amazing. Have you ever been around anyone who was rich or famous or powerful? Remember how you felt? I mean, you tried hard to think of something profound to say. All you can think of is the weather. Chorus party today. Isn't it? And you feel so dumb. Do you know who Johnny Cash is? I interviewed him once. He had made a public profession of faith. I was editing a youth magazine at the time. His pastor was a friend of mine. And he says, Hey, I'll get you an interview. I said, Wonderful. I'll never forget that day. I'm sitting in his plush Hendersonville, Tennessee office, waiting for him to arrive. I had memorized my question. For days, I had practiced my cool. And then he walks in. Hi, I'm Johnny Cash. I didn't realize he was that big. I lost it. Hi, Johnny.
1: Can I have your autograph? It's
0: from a son.
1: <laughs>
0: when I left there, I felt so stupid. I thought, know, why was I so intimidated? Man, he puts his shoes on
1: one foot at a time, just like I do. Fame,
0: fortune. And so Jesus comes in a way that whosoever is comfortable with him. Whosoever. Amazing. Now let's read the rest of our scripture. Verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Oh, folks, this is one of the most beautiful things that you hear in Scripture. The New Testament begins with the words, Don't be afraid. Fear not. Which the angel said this... Started the whole thing off. See, the heroes of our day, and you've seen this, you watch them on television and so forth, the heroes of our day are the big guys, man, the tough ones, you know, and their job is to be so tough that anybody around them is scared, silly, you know, is the biggest thing in about. And if you cross them one, hey, and you're missing an arm. <laughs> And so the ways of the world is you better be afraid, boy. But you see, Jesus comes along and what are the words?
1: Don't be afraid.
0: Don't be afraid. Because I bring you, I bring you good tidings, good news of great joy which will be to all People. See, it could only be this way if Jesus had come that way. Otherwise, it would only be to some people, but not to all people.
1: This is to all people. Mm -hmm.
0: For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. That's the other key word, which is Christ the Lord. Not just a boy, not just a son. You see, this day and age, one of the things that they're trying to do, as well as make it Santa's season, is make it just a celebration of life. You know, the birth of a child. Oh, what a wonderful thing. Under you is born this day, you know, a son. Oh. And we marvel at the miracle of birth. Indeed, we do. But listen, folks. If the angel had said, under you is born this day, a son. There's a kid born over there. You know, the shepherds would have said, you mean you scared us spitless just to tell us a kid got born today? No,
1: no, no.
0: no. Under you is born this day a Savior. A Savior. You see, one of the things that you have to keep in mind, folks, please, if there's one thing that you'll get out of this today, hear this. God loves people. God has no need for positions. I <laughs> mean, when your God, president, is a bit of a step down. God has no need for houses. God has no need for money. God does not, is not impressed by the best we can come up with. He's not even impressed with this monster building you have here. See, the thing Jesus came to do was to save people. And he loves people. He doesn't love any other things. He loves people. He didn't die for your Porsche. He didn't die for your Mercedes. He died for you. He loves people. And when when you understand that, it changes everything about the way you approach people. He loves people. And he doesn't say, love you, love you not, love you, love you not. But this is good news for all people. So he comes in this way that makes him so approachable that we can even hear the angels say to us, don't be afraid. This is good news. Now let me finish reading this. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward you. Those who do not understand God and those who do not love people like to rewrite this. Even though they may read this, they will read it so that you understand it this way. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not stop. I'm telling you why. God's watching you and he's pretty ticked off. That's not what it said. But if you love God and you love people and you understand that, that the good news is that God loves you and God is on your side. He says, goodwill, peace, goodwill toward men. Jesus was God's way of saying to the world, I like you. I love you. I know you're a bunch of hairy
1: maggots.
0: (laughs) Rolling around in a pool of pus. But I like you. So much I'm willing to die for you. concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the
1: shepherds. Shepherds!
0: But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told. Wow. Now, some of you have your Christmas shopping done. Some of you had it done in September. Weird. Some of you men, like the typical husband, will begin Tuesday evening at about 9 in a full-run panning, And, of course, the biggest thing, the the biggest job is, oh man, what what do I do? I mean, think of everything. What am I going to do? I've got to give a present. I've got to give a present. What am I going to give you? We like to do it. We do like to give. And, And the thing that I so love is this season, that we celebrate the birth of our Savior, is a giving season. How appropriate, see, because that's his nature. God so loved that he, hey, you see. A couple of months ago, we celebrated another holiday that was a taking holiday. You don't give me something, I'll show you. I'll trick you. And, of course, that one was sponsored by its founder, who comes to Destroy. But this one sponsored by our founder, who comes to give And so just whether we even believe in him or not, his very influence makes us want
1: to give. It is wonderful. I love it. What are you give?
0: Let me make a recommendation. There are books and tapes out under there. None of it. But believe me, those are nothing compared to the greatest gift that you can give. See, there may be some of you here this morning uh Maybe this is your annual visit to church. <laughs> you know, like, well, It is Christmas. Yeah, okay. I go Christmas and Easter. You know. and, and if this is true, I want you to know we're just really tickled to death that you're here. We're so delighted. But you know what? The finest gift you could possibly give to anyone would be the gift of yourself to Jesus Christ. If you were to say to him, you know, I I, I really I really want to give myself to you, Jesus. You know, I have resisted you for many years. I have made fun of you, I've said, Well, it's not for me, you know, it's for you. But there's nothing out there like you, Jesus. Nothing bigger house, a bigger car, a better job, didn't do it for me. But what is it about you that causes people to be so absolutely bonkers over you? Unless you are the Savior. And here's what happens, you see, is when you give yourself to Him. You know what you've just done? You have also truly given yourself to your family, to your kids, to your Parents, oh, it's the best gift they will ever receive in their lives. If you're dad, it means you'll be my dad from now on. If you're their kid, oh, at last I have a kid for eternity. I'm the father of four and grandfather of nine. When they say, hey, got a better job, that's fine, glad. When they say, bought a new car, wonderful. When they say, moving to a bigger house, yeah, that's great. When they say, I've decided to follow Jesus, <laughs> You just made my life, man. Because that means I'll never have to say goodbye to you. And it also means that where you have wasted your substance in living that has not produced profit, now your energy goes into things that are dead. I just two nights ago returned from Kiev, Ukraine. It's a poor country any country that has been under communist rule will be a third world country just incredibly poor they want to be rich they have so many things it's hard to get over being a communist country it just it sets your mind in ways it's hard for you to get away from it but there's still a lot so much despair that you will find all of the worst things possible going on there now we could go into a country like that and say all right We're going to give you a real taste of America. Here's a Cadillac for everybody and that way you'll just kind of know what it means to really prosper. We know you don't have roads, but that's okay. You do have Cadillacs. We could give them a lot of things. But the best gift that can be given is a life with Jesus Christ because that changes everything for them. See, no longer is what little they make wasted and leave left with a destitute family. But it restores homes. It restores homes. It, it makes lives smile. It, it makes brass bands march through hearts. And that's the best gift in the world. So you want to know what Yeah. give? Now you know. Give yourself to Jesus. There's none like it. No one. So I'm going to pray now, and while I'm praying, you pray, and just tell Him, "Okay, Jesus, I hear you, and I really am sorry that I've uh, I've been the way I've been and have resisted you." And so you you pray and say, "Jesus, uh, forgive me, will you?" And, and I'm giving myself to you, God. I want to be your problem now, and I want you to. Let me be what I'm really supposed to be to my family and my friends. Oh, do that, and I, while I'm praying, oh Jesus, you're so good. <laughs> I'm so overwhelmed by you, Lord. I hardly know what to say. Uh, you know, I, I've walked with you for a long time, and I've not regretted a single moment of it. I love you more now than I've ever loved you, and. The whole thought that somebody might start loving you today is just about too much for me. It's wonderful. And the thought that some restoration of home and family could occur at this very moment, the greatest gift could be given right here today, Lord. That's just so wonderful. And so we ask that you... Come and pour your grace out on us, and let any who say to you, I'm sorry, sense your immediate and total forgiveness and acceptance and love. Oh, let it be hard. That this will be the best season we've ever spent in our whole life. And everyone would agree that that's true. So I thank you that unto us is born a Savior which is Christ, the Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.